All right, Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 12. And again, if you're new or visiting, uh, we go through the books of the Bible and we find ourselves in the book of Acts, verse by verse. Darrell's going, Pastor Darrell's going through uh, Romans on Wednesday night. We have a great Wednesday night service. Encourage you to come out for that. There's nothing good on TV, I can guarantee you that. Uh, Junior high, high school here on Wednesday night. We are very, very blessed. All right, let's pick it up in verse 17 of chapter 12. Uh, verse 18, verse 18. Then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what became of Peter. But when Herod had searched for him and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. But they came to him with one accord, and having made Blastus the king's personal aid their friend, they asked for peace, because their country was supplied with food by the king's country. So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, The voice of a god and not a man. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God grew and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark, John Mark. Father, we thank you for your word. And we're going to continue in our worship of you. Help us to lay aside the Super Bowl. Help us to lay aside this past week, whatever may have happened, to bring it to your throne, even right now, once again, to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, that we might focus on these verses in front of us to learn how to be more like your son, your one and only son, Jesus. I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the last time we were together in Acts, we saw how God supernaturally rescued Peter from the hands of his enemies. And King Herod was trying to buddy up to the religious Jews. Very important. And so killing Peter would have given him praise amongst those religious Jews who did not like Christianity. So as we look at this week's study, we're going to see those who were watching over Peter so that they might execute him after the trial were going to become those who would be executed. The one who desired to have Peter murdered, just like he had done to James, was going to become the one who would stand before the ultimate judge. And that's kind of the theme of the study this morning. The ultimate judge and enter into death himself. You see, God is not a respecter of persons. He deals with each person individually and individually. Every one of us in this room will be held accountable for his deeds. Herod Agrippa I was going to find out that the hard way. Verse 18, Then as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers about what had become of Peter. You know, when you think about this scenario, it's pretty comical. When When you really think about it. You're waking up, you went to sleep with chain to this guy named Peter, who is a Christian, whatever that is, as a Roman soldier, and tomorrow he's going to go before Herod, and he's probably going to be killed, just like James was killed. And So what do I care? I'm just a soldier. Peter was probably witnessing to him. Paul witnessed. 
That's how the word, as you read the word of God, that's how the word got up into the higher level of Enchilon. People came to know Jesus. So Peter was chained. But all of a sudden you wake up, and Peter's not there. The chain's on the ground, and the chain's still attached to your wrist. So, but where's Peter? They were probably looking at each other, reaching over his side. What'd you do with Peter? Uh, What do you mean, what did I do with Peter? And then the guys on the outside, remember there were four soldiers guarding? Then the two guys on the outside hear the commotion. They open the door, and here's two guys with chains hanging on their wrist, and there's no Peter. And what do you think they said? What'd you guys do with Peter? What do you mean, what do we do with Peter? We didn't do anything with Peter. No small stir, guys. Why? Because as a soldier, if you lost the criminal you were guarding, you got the punishment that they were going to get, which was typically execution, death, the death penalty. So you can imagine this was no small stir. Whether it was the four guards that were very, very emotional at this point because they knew what was coming. We are going to die. Or whether it was the 16, we don't know for sure. You can get the study from last week to find out what I mean by all that. But when it says that as soon as it was day, there's no small stir, we got to really understand this. They lost something very valuable for their own lives. <laughs> Herod is going to bring Peter forth to be judged, but they have no prisoner. You see, there is panic in the air, and I just love this thought. Peter is somewhere enjoying his morning cup of java. He's not worried. He's not concerned. God's on his side. And God has perfect timing. Verse 19. But when Herod had searched for him and found and not found him, he examined the guards and commanded that they should be put to death. And he went down to Judea, from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. So we see here that Herod's guards were brought forth to examine them to find out what happened to the prisoner, Peter. But as a guard, it's pretty hard to explain it, what happened when you were asleep, especially as we mentioned last week, when that heavy sleep was brought on by God himself. Supernatural occurrence took place. So Herod does what the Herod family does best. Execute the guards. Takes care of that problem. And after the execution, Herod goes off to the capital of the Roman province of Judea, Caesarea, and this is a city located on the Mediterranean coastline. It's actually beautiful. We'll go to it when we go to Israel. It's a beautiful, beautiful area. It's a city that had modern conveniences of that day, including hot baths, which might not sound like a big deal to you because we have that available. It was a huge deal in that day and age to have a hot bath. And as we look at these next verses, it's interesting that Herod had judged the apostle James and executed him. He was then going to have... Judge Peter in the same outcome, no doubt, but now it is time for Herod to be judged and he would be judged by the most righteous judge over all. Let that sink in. He'll be judged by the most righteous judge. And again, you and I, even as believers, are going to be judged. Not for salvation. And if you're concerned about losing your salvation, get that off the table. you got to mature past that. If you're saved, if you've asked the Holy Spirit to come in you, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, you can't lose your salvation. So get that off the table. But we are going to stand before the reward seat, the Bema seat of Christ. 
And this is that picture in, in the Olympics, where I think the Olympics are coming up this summer. And when somebody runs the 100-yard dash, there's one winner. Not everybody gets a trophy. There's one winner, first-place winner. And what they would do in that day and age is that winner would come before the Bema seat, the reward seat. It wasn't questioning whether you won or not. No, you're the winner. And they would receive a wreath that would fall apart in a few weeks. But they'd also get exempted from taxes and, and other things, benefits of that day and age. There was no question. They were, you're the winner. You're going to receive your reward. So for you and I, guys, we're saved. But I always make this point because it's important for you and it's important for I to, to, to keep this eternal perspective. Because Jesus said, store up treasure in heaven. Jesus said that. Store up treasure in heaven. Well, how do I store up treasure in heaven with all of the responsibilities that we all have? Well, it's just being available for God at any specific time during the day, whatever that might be. Five seconds, five minutes, whatever it might be. Just being available, doing it in the name of God, in the name of Jesus, serving however that might look, storing up treasure in heaven. That's what you and I should be doing on a regular basis. Because we will stand before God. Again, the Bema seat. The Bema seat. The gold, the silver, the precious stones that we have stored up will go into heaven with us. Now, we don't know what we're going to do with those. Scriptures don't tell us. I have no idea. That doesn't bother me. If Jesus said do it, that's what I want to do. Don't worry about the things you don't know. Take care of the things you do know. He said do it, that's what I'm going to do. So I encourage you to do that to the best of your ability. Very, very important. Now Herod had been very angry. Oh, I'm sorry, let's turn to Second Timothy. We didn't get to Second Timothy, did we? Second Timothy 4, 5 through 8. Second Timothy 4, 5 through 8. And again, if you're newer visiting, we encourage you, have your Bible. You don't need another Bible study per se. You need to be in the Bible. And so we we go to the Bible a lot here. They always put a slide up to show you where it's at. Second Timothy 4, 5 through 8. Don't be embarrassed or ashamed. Find it. Get used to your Bible. But you be watchful in all things. Paul speaking to Timothy, a pastor. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Now again, we can look at this specifically as, oh, he's just talking to Timothy. Yes, he is just talking to Timothy. But many of the scriptures we can look at and go, but can that apply to me as well? Without taking anything out of context. Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's another case where we can look at this, not just from the ministry aspect, but from your ministry, whatever that looked like. When I was in Motor, at Motorola for 12 and a half years, doing 40 plus hours a week at Motorola, that was my ministry. Obviously, I worked for Motorola. We built things. I inspected things. So I took care of all that stuff. But there were opportunities on break or at lunch or after work or before work to minister, not during work. That's not what I was there to pay for. We we actually had a Bible study at, at the plant. And there was a few of us that a week, once a week, we'd have a Bible study during lunch on our own time. So there's ministry that you can do after work in your neighborhood, your family members, Oftentimes we get this idea of ministry as just Sunday morning when we sit here and listen to the pastor talk. That's ministry. No, it's not. Fulfill your ministry. What does that look like? Where are you that I'm never going to go? I can't get into your workplace. So God sent you. That is your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul knows that he's about ready to die. 
He's writing this letter from a prison in Rome. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And guys, in this day we're living in, that, that is so important for you and I. Please don't miss that. Sometimes when we read the scriptures, we just blow through them. Did, did you just hear what that said? I have kept the faith. And our faith in America as Christians is being trampled upon and being tested each and every day. You watch any of the debates or you watch any of the news. If you, if you are against homosexuality as a Christian, you're labeled as a homophobiac. I'm not afraid of a, a, a homosexual. I love homosexuals. They're welcome here. They need Jesus. We need to reach them in the world. They need Jesus. Oh, but no, you're a homophobiac. You're a bigot. You're, you're hateful. I didn't know they knew so much about me when they didn't even know me. But that's the programming, guys. And if you're not, if you're not aware of this, then you get your heads in the ground. That's the programming that is taking place. And that's a programming that's being played over and over and over and over in the minds of teenagers and 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds and you old people. I heard this the other day on the news. You old people may never accept it and they're going, that's fine, they'll eventually leave. They'll eventually die, in other words. And then it'll be accepted by everyone. This is what's being programmed into your brain, my brain, every single day. So be careful what you even watch on TV. They're promoting on TV immensely. So I have kept the faith. You and I, we have a faith, the word of God, not for self-righteous purposes or any of that nonsense. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge. Notice that. The righteous judge will give to me on that day, capital D, the day that I die. I personally believe that the Bema seat is going to be on the day I die. When I step into heaven, I'm going to be judged immediately because the scriptures say there's no more tears. So I don't believe there's one Bema seat judgment. Everybody dies and eventually we all get... No, there is one great white throne judgment. Where all the dead in, all the dead will be judged, but I don't, I don't see that in the scriptures for the Bema seat. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved, again, notice this, loved his appearing. Not to all those who loved their career. Men, we identify with our careers. That's, that's reality. Most women identify with their marriage or their children. That's just reality. And that's okay to a certain extent. We gotta always make sure that, that we love God more than anything. No matter what career or how many kids we have. That we love God and that we're looking for His appearing. And if we do that, then we'll stay focused. But when we start looking in this direction, our focus gets out of whack and we start doing things that we shouldn't be doing. You see, Herod was focused on the here and now. James, Peter, Paul, and many others, including you and I this morning. I I firmly believe you're here this morning because you love God, you love Jesus, you love his word, and you want to grow. I firmly believe that. That's why I'm here this morning. we got to stay focused on the eternal. They were focused on the eternal. 
For we'll all stand again before that righteous judge, all of us. You see, Herod's day was coming. He didn't know it. But we can rest assured that God will deal with every person sooner or later. And when we visit Israel, again, as I've already mentioned, we always stop at this amphitheater. Every seat has a view of the sea. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And then it's just a short walk to the sea. I mean, you could run there in a minute. Walk there two to three. And it's most likely the place where Herod was going to give his final speech in a few verses. So let's look at that. Verse 20. Now Herod had been very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, but they came to him with one accord and having made Blastus, the king's personal aide, their friend, they asked for peace because their country was supplied with food by the king's country and the king's country would be what? Israel, not Palestine, Israel. It was the nation of Israel in this day and age. 70 AD, Titus came in, took away the Jews and purposely changed the name to Palestine. Here's a little history. Very important for you to understand this, which means land of the Philistines. It doesn't mean the land of the Arabs. They were, he was mocking the Jews because the Jews had issues with the Philistines. So he purposely named it Palestine, land of the Philistine, 70 A.D., Before then, it was the land of Israel, known as the land of Israel. But as we look at this verse here, we see politics and actions. The cities of Tyre and Sidon were located just north of Israel by the sea, and they had good relations as well as bad relations with the nation of Israel over the centuries. You see, they did not have the land for agricultural abilities. So they were dependent upon nations around them for their food supply. And again, if you go on tour, or you can go on YouTube, you can see this, you don't have to go on tour, but if you check it out, Israel is just booming. About 10 years ago, they were, they were like the third largest manufacturer of fruit in all of Europe. I mean, they're booming. Unbelievable, their agriculture. And so, they needed food. And this is where Herod and the nation of Israel came into play. For some reason unknown, we, we don't know, the people of Tyre and Sidon had caused some problems for Herod. This obviously caused them concern because of, as I just mentioned, their food supply. So they sent some ambassadors to make appeasement between them and Herod. They bribed a close representative of Herod's named Blastus and had him petition Herod for an audience. And Herod gave them the request and made an open show of his authority. Now, as we read verse 21, Josephus, who was a Jewish historian in the day and age, this day and age, makes reference to this very situation. He mentions that Herod's royal apparel was embossed with fine silver, which caused it to shine and glimmer in the sun. This obviously added to Herod's ego. So, verse 21, So on a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat on his throne and gave an oration to them. And the people kept shouting, The voice of a God! Notice in your Bible, little g. The voice of a God and not of a man. There are many, many little gods on this earth. Um, India, I forget the number. It's some crazy. They actually have a number. It's like some hundred and 
32 million gods. It's some crazy number. It's like, oh, the chair? You want your chair to be a god? Oh, that's your god now. A doorknob? Oh, that's your god. Oh, this podium? Okay, that's your god. You want anything? Oh, whatever. You just make it your god. That's your god. So they're shouting just from their base nature. Oh, you're a god. But this also has to do with politics too. We want you to give us food. We want you to, to bless us. The voice of a god and not a man. You see, the results of his speech brought forth the praise of men. And of course, as I just mentioned, Tyre and Sidon, they would have done almost anything to appease Herod. But Isaiah 20, uh, 42 says this, I am the Lord, that is my name. And my glory will I not give to one another, neither my praise to graven images. Very, very important in the ministry, in politics, in life. Don't try to take glory to yourself. Always point to God. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're going to look at several verses in Corinthians because, because Paul makes mention of this fact in various chapters. So let's start out with 1 Corinthians 1, 27 through 31. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. Notice that. So if you're here this morning and you're an unbeliever and you came because your mate wanted you to come, so okay, I'll keep peace, I'll go. But this is just really nonsense. Um, Be careful how wise you think you are. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That, as it is written, he who glories, let him glory In the Lord. Let's look at chapter 2, verses 2 and 5 of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 2, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I think that's really important as Christians, um, working with one another. And that's why as a pastor, I do not see a check. I don't want to see a check. I have no idea what people give, who give. It doesn't matter to me. That's between you and the Lord. That's your walk, not mine. And so it's very important that we don't bring politics. This is what politicians do. Politicians try to work both sides. Well, I want to get nominated, so i got to make my people back home happy. Even if it's a bad choice, i got to make them happy, so I'm going to vote a certain way. They're playing their own hand. They want to be reelected. So we don't bring politics into church. Just treat one another as you would treat Christ. Just love each other. I was with you in meekness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not worth persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of power. So notice that if you um, think that you're going to win somebody over, that, that a religious person over that comes to your door, you're going to win them over through persuasive arguments. You will not. You have to go at them via the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Make it short, make it sweet, love them, but don't argue with them. It's of no value. 
that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men. Notice that. Well, I can argue somebody out of religion. Yeah, well, somebody's going to be smarter behind you and they're going to argue them back into religion. No. Take them to the word of God, but in the power of God. Let's look at chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Let no one deceive himself. Notice that. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. So you may be really wise in the world and you know how to do things in the world. And so you're living in the world and you just think you're so wise and so cool and so hip and so this and so that. No, you're not wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And you'll see how this plays out as we get further into the study. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death. All things present or things to come, all are yours. And you are Christ, and Christ is God's. You see, Herod unfortunately believed the praise, and he was judged accordingly, as we see in verse 23. Then immediately an angel of the Lord struck him. Now this is interesting. Herod reigned until 44 A.D., And so we know that this situation happened in 44 AD. And again, Josephus makes mention of this occurrence by telling us that Herod contracted an ailment in his midsection. Five days later, he died. And when they did an autopsy on him, they found him full of worms. So they immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and died. You see, Herod was going to destroy Peter. And it was Peter's God who destroyed Herod. Again, this all plays out as you just as we just keep continuing reading the scriptures. Verse 24, but and I love this, but the word of God grew and multiplied. I mean, what a great conclusion to the whole matter. Even though the religious Jews wanted to stamp out Christianity, God had other plans and the church was continuing to grow. You see, authorities will rise and authorities will fall. But the church has lived on for almost 2,000 years now. Remember that, guys. How many kingdoms have come and gone over these last 2,000 years? But the word of God is still here. And the word of God is going to go into eternity as we know. So how can we make this real life applicable to our lives today? You know, I believe that when we focus on worldly things, it will cause us to make false proclamations. The men from these two cities made the proclamation that Herod was a god, little g. But he was an ordinary man. And the proclamation cost Herod his life. But when we focus on the word, the word will cause us to make true proclamations as well as declarations. What do I mean by that? Well, let's look at Psalm 37. Let's look at Psalm 37. We've got plenty of time. So let's just read Psalm 37. In case you don't think the Bible is applicable. 
<laughs> and then if you're dyslexic, you can read Psalm 73. Because <laughs> we're going to read Psalm 73 most likely too. Do not fret because of evildoers. Psalm 37. Do not worry. Don't be anxious. Do not fret because of evil doers. Do we have people doing evil in our lives today? Nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. Rest. And wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. You know, if if the Republicans and the Democrats just read these first eight verses, life would be totally different, wouldn't it? But they're unbelie- most of them are unbelievers, so they're not going to get anything out of it. So let's bring it home. You as a believer... If you apply these first eight verses, you're not going to be fretting over the Republicans and the Democrats. You're going to be praying for them instead, instead of wasting your time arguing. Because that's what we're called to do anyways. Pray for them. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. The thousand year reign of Christ, guys. There's not going to be Republicans and Democrats. It's going to be Jesus. Jesus. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. Try to find Nebuchadnezzar. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just, and gnashes at him with his teeth. Does this sound like 2020? The Lord laughs at him. For he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy to slay those who are of upright conduct. Christianity under attack. Their sword shall enter their own heart and their bow shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied, but the wicked shall perish and the enemies of the Lord like the splendor of the meadows shall vanish. In the smoke they shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous sows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young and now am old. This is David writing. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. 
For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forevermore, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Notice in verse 31 there, the law, the word of God for you and I as we're studying this morning, as you do your devotions throughout the week every day, not out of duty or debt, but out of devotion, your love for God. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power, and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but could not be found. Mark the blameless man, or observe the blameless man. Take note of the blameless man. And observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. But the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them, because they trust in him. Now you might have thought I was joking. But let's look at Psalm 73. A psalm of Asaph. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. What does Psalm 37 just tell us? Don't be envious. And what is, what is Asaph admitting? or someone who was part of this line, they were admitting, that was me. I was Psalm 37. I was envious. I wanted what they had. I wanted what they had. For there are no pains in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men. They're not plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. What is that insinuating? That they have plenty of food. They're fat. They have plenty of food. They got money. They're, they don't have any issues. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. And their tongues walk through the earth. Therefore his people return here. And waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? The wicked here are mocking God. Behold, these are ungodly who are also always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain. Notice what this Christian, I would say as this day, notice what this Christian is acknowledging. He's just pouring out his complaint before God. They've got it so easy. They've got money. They've got food. They've got prestige. What's going on here? I'm a Christian. What's the problem? That's why you want to read the whole counsel of God. But he's just, he's pouring out his heart that we can even do today as Christians. Surely I've cleansed my heart in vain. Christians, I've heard Christians say this, not many, but I've heard Christians say, you know, I've just, you know, I've just followed God for nothing. Really? Okay. Well, that's between you and God. Um, I'm waiting for eternity. Everything on this earth is going to burn anyways. 
But notice, he's just pouring out his heart, real. The Bible is real, guys. And maybe you're here this morning feeling the same way. I wash my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I said I speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Verse 17 answers our own heart. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. Guys, that's for you and me. We need to register. We need to vote. We need to sign petitions. Whatever it is that we can do, we should do. I'm not insinuating anything besides that. We should be responsible. But always leave it in the hands of God. And always remember at the end of the day, all of these people that think they're so high and mighty and have everything, if they don't know Jesus, and if you're here this morning, if you do not have Jesus as your Savior, according to the word of God, you will perish. You will stand before God at the great white throne judgment. And God sends no one to hell. You will condemn yourself by not accepting Jesus as your Savior. Because you think that you can get to heaven on your own. And you can't. Don't play with God. This Christian was just pouring out his heart like like. We can do ourselves. Look at everything they're getting away with. Nowadays, these Congress people, they go in with, you know, $20,000 in their bank account. They come out millionaires. More millionaires right now in Congress than ever in history. And we can get all caught up into that and whine and complain and everything else. If they don't know Jesus, there's no U-Haul behind the hearse. Think, Dave, you sent me a picture one time. And this guy over here, Dave, I've said this for... So long, he sent me a picture of a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. I don't know if that was dubbed in there or what. But there's no hearse behind a U-Haul, guys. Every, you're naked, you came into this world. Naked, you're leaving. They may close you, make you look nice in the coffin, but you're done. You're history. So if you don't know Jesus. So guys, whatever happens, wherever you find yourself today, maybe there's a Herod in your life. Maybe it's your supervisor. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. Whoever it might be. Someone you think, whom you think is getting away with evil. There will always be those who seek after the ways of Herod. But it's only a few minutes as far as eternity goes. It's only a few moments. Let us continue to seek after God and his ways, for his ways will last into eternity. And peace on this side of heaven will reign over our lives. I encourage you to read these chapters again this week. Psalm 37 and Psalm 73. And make 17 maybe a memory verse for you. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Until I went to the temple. Until I got my focus back on who's in control. Until I did that. Then... I understood their end. He acknowledged his own flesh, but then he went back to the spirits. God, you raise up 
and God you take down. Evaluate this life, this last slide. Evaluate this life from God's perspective. And this life will take on a new directive. Maybe you find yourself going down a wrong road. You gotta change your perspective. It's as simple as that. I'm sorry I'm so simple, but it's simple. It's not complex. Religion tries to make it complex. It's not complex. Just change your eyes, your focus, and God will change your heart. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time. Lord, we thank you for this real-life situation that we still see happening in our lives today. There's lots of Herods out there. They think they've got it all together. They think that they're ruling and reigning and that they don't have to answer to anyone. Yet ultimately, every single male and every single female will answer to you. Father, I thank you as believers, us sinners that accepted Jesus as our Savior and we're now saints, that you don't keep a record of our sins in heaven, but you see us as holy and unblameable in your sight. Not so that we might go out and sin, but so that we might really appreciate grace and share that grace with someone who doesn't know Jesus yet, just like someone shared with us. So as we go out this week, Father, help us not to focus on what the Herods are getting away with, but where the Herods are heading to, that we might pray for them, that they would truly know Jesus as their Savior. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus as your Savior. I'm going to pray a simple little prayer. It's not about the prayer, it's about your heart. You have people around you, saints are around you right now praying for souls. They don't know it's you. But they're just praying for souls right now because in the spiritual world, the enemy does not want anyone in this room to receive Jesus as their Savior. There's a spiritual battle going on right now in the heavenlies. So they're interceding for your soul. So if you don't know Jesus this morning, I encourage you to pray this simple prayer with me. And if you're sincere, if you if you can acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, I can identify with this Herod guy, then repent. Repent means to turn. Turn to God and ask God into your life. Just pray this simple prayer with me. God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and that I need a Savior. I I repent. I, I turn to you and I ask for forgiveness of all of my sins. God, I invite Jesus into my life. God, I invite your Holy Spirit into my life. I'm not sure what that means, but I'm going to trust you're going to show me. So God, I say thank you for Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And I thank you, God, that I can now call you Father. 
My Father, you're in heaven. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come now in my life, Father. Thank you so much for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for the free gift of salvation. And you know, if you're here this morning and you've been away from God, it's time to come back. Stop playing. Just repent and come back. Father, we thank you for this week coming before us. We don't know what it holds, but we know you hold it. And so give us wisdom and discernment. Help us not to get caught up in the ways of this world. We have to be in this world. We have to rub elbows. But we also want to be ministers, Father. Show us what that looks like in our lives individually. What is our ministry that we might fulfill that ministry in our workplace, in our families, in our neighborhoods? Show us individually. Show us as a marital couple. Show us as a family. Whatever the case may be, show us as a church. Father, we're here in Queen Creek. We want to be used of you in our community. So give us even wisdom as a, as a church on what you'd have for us to do. Father, we thank you for this morning. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? If you need prayer for anything, please come forward. We'd love to pray with you. If you receive Jesus or if you would like to receive Jesus, please come up. We would love to pray with you. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Let's sing where sin runs deep. Where sin runs deep. Your grace is more. Where grace is found. Is where you are. Where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me. Where you are, Lord, I am free. Holiness is Christ in me.